Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and we have another great show for you today. We have our guest, Allison Fornis, and she is an educator, an author, and a practitioner of family constellations, as well as a lot more things. So um, welcome, Allison. Thank you, Caroline. Great to be here. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I'm I'm actually pretty new to the Pioneer Valley. We've been, I've been here, my, me and my family, for about one year. Okay. Just a year. Yeah. In Greenfield. I still feel new, and I've been here for six years. <laughs> so there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great, I mean, you know, I love it here. Yeah. And it's been wonderful. Actually, part of what's been so wonderful is that there's such a receptive audience for the kind of work that I'm doing, and, and as you said, lots of wellness professionals here. So, um, But my work, as you named, is I'm an educator and a family sy- and systemic constellations facilitator. And in particular, what I'm doing is bringing forth um, what a handful of people in the world are doing, which is bringing together education and systemic constellation work. So some people are using the term systemic pedagogy. Um, That's a mouthful. Systemic <laughs> pedagogy. I don't even know really what that means. Yeah, what, what does it, that mean? <laughs> well, um, it's hard. You know, it's hard to. This is one of those things where when a person asks me what I do, I always have to take a deep breath and think, okay, how do I begin to talk about what I do? Um, so what I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk about what I think a person, anybody who listens to a show called Energy Matters, is already aware that we live in a world where in a universe where there's a, a, a dynamic responsive field of energy and we are part of that field um, of, of interconnection. And so that basic understanding that we are all interconnected um, is, is actually in, at, in a dissonance, a contrast with the way we typically teach, which is we teach that we're all separate that you know the earth is dead matter that we can extract that we that there's a kind of us them we teach that um that you can know about the world by breaking things down into their their parts and so what i do in my work as an education and constellations person is i i teach practices that are in alignment with this truth that we're all connected because what that means is when we, if we're all connected, then we actually have the capacity to receive information all the time, basically. So I'm using that, oh, that capacity in the context of the same kind of thing you might do perhaps in a, a classroom, a high school classroom, or in a healing circle. So I, I can bring, bring this, bring a person to direct experience of this fields of information and connection that we are living in. 
Mmm, juicy. <laughs> Lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that made sense to somebody, but yes. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're doing, so tell people a little bit about the family constellations. Give people a, a yeah. brief overview about what, what what that is and what that uh, work's all about. Sure. I Maybe I'll I'll tell a story because that that's I think for me it was the way that I first learned about the process. So I discovered family constellations almost uh, so in 2011. So it's been a, a few years now, and um, the very first time I showed up in a group. So typically a family constellation process is a therapeutic process. You, you know you might bring to a constellation workshop the same questions you would bring to your to your counselor. And the very first time I showed up in a workshop, um, what happened is we were sitting in a circle and a person's there presenting their issue. And then the facilitator in, guides the, the client to choose representatives. So in this case, they were looking at um, uh, 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 an issue with a colleague. And they said, okay, choose a representative, a person in the room who will represent you and a person in the room who will represent your colleague. And so you're chosen. You don't necessarily know story. In fact, usually in constellation work, you, you know very little information. So you're standing there in the center of the circle and just holding space, allowing yourself to trust that there's some information moving through you. And in this particular case, I was chosen to represent the client. And I was so surprised to find myself, again, first time ever, a sort of stranger to this process, standing there. And I immediately felt weak, sort of like weak in the knees. Mm. And I told the facilitator, I, f- I feel like I need to lie down. So I'm lying down on the floor, and the other, the person representing their colleague was standing up looking at me. And the facilitator turns to the client and says, points to me on the floor and says, who is that? Who is that in your life? And the client looks at me and says, I think that's my sister. My sister died when we were, we, they were both children and she died and the family in their grief um, sort of they packed up the house they moved away and they they didn't really speak of her again wow and what was so remarkable about that experience was that the moment he he named that this was the sister my my entire body perked up i felt like this youthful child and i i felt so excited that i was being you know that the the energy that i was experiencing was this excitement of being recognized wow you were named i was named i was named and so for me as an educator, um, when I had this experience and multiple times, you know, in, in the workshop and then since then, my, my first thought was, okay, this, we're accessing information. How, how can we bring this into education? And so that's really been my, the arc of my work since then. So when people are experiencing, when in that scenario, in that story that you, that you shared, when the person that had named you as the colleague mm-hmm. and then re- kind of recognized in that moment that that was a sister energy. What was the result? Is there a resolution? Mm-hmm. Is there, um, how does that, um, how does that bring about healing for people? Like yeah. what's, what's in that? Yeah, there's a lot that's in there. Um, so what, So, you know, the, one of the things we see in family constellations, really the core piece of what would, what would create 
a dynamic that's showing up in a person's life, okay? So what this person was saying, oh, I, I, I have this very strange relationship with my colleague. Whenever I turn to leave him, we get into conflict. And, and they had an important project they were working on together, and he was really trying to make sense of what's going on. And so um, when we looked at this field, what shows up is something very personal. This is something in his family system. And as the constellation continued, the, the, the colleague was representing the father. And he, and every time he turned away, seemed to be sort of caught in a, a pattern around the loss of the daughter. Mm. So, but the reason it comes up as an issue and the reason why, you know, to respond to your question about how does this create healing is that it's, it's alive in this person's system because the daughter had been excluded. Oh, yeah. So when inside of our personal and family systems, when something's excluded that belongs it actually creates um, a dynamic that we experience as a, pa a pattern that we repeat in our lives. Um, so I, th I think that is so interesting. And, you know, it's, it's funny how we subconsciously replay these patterns that we're not, obviously, because they're subconscious, we're not aware of them, but they come out in these funny little ways. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, when all of a sudden you start doing this healing work and this person flashes and all of a sudden intuitively that, that, family figure starts jumping right back up and you're like, oh, that is so weird. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. And I often, so I, I came into constellation work after having um, a background in Buddhism and Buddhist studies as a, as a, as a meditator. So I have this, um, this background in this uh, sort of philosophy, Buddhist philosophy. And what I was so surprised really surprised to see happening in the field, so happening in the, the, the container that we create in a constellation, uh, was that these patterns that I was seeing also uh, mirrored what I had been learning about uh, through Buddhism. So for example, when we think about karma, um, to recognize that karma um, is actually a pattern, a pattern that kind of gets stuck either in the body from this lifetime or from past lifetimes. Um, and so karma and trauma are really the same thing. It's a kind of imprint that, that we sort of keep cycling through until we can release ourselves from that pattern. And that's what constellation, you know, the power, the healing power of constellation work is that we have the capacity to take a look at a symptom that's showing up, a pattern that's showing up in a person's life and drop beneath that pattern into, well, what is the root of, of where this pattern, the, the sort of initial trauma or entanglement where this pattern um, first showed up. I am, I feel like that really lit me up when you started talking about the relationship between karma and trauma, mm -hmm. because I, I find that, you know, having really been thinking about trauma more lately, it's interesting because you know, trauma is something is an event that something hasn't been processed in our nervous system. Yeah. Right. So thinking about if we kind of use that idea and bringing that towards karma, it's like, okay, well, what's what hasn't been processed in the sort of collective collective nervous system that is your family. That's right. That's right. And when we're talking about family constellations, does that m basically mean biological family? Is it chosen family? Could that have been people that um, that we have adopted as family? Um, how does how does that definition of family uh, 
shake out? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I would say a few things. First, when I ref- when when I, and maybe other facilitators use it slightly differently, but when I refer to family constellations, I'm often referring to any any time you're doing a personal a, a, bringing a personal question as opposed to. Um, what I do in, a, in an academic setting or what I do when, when I'm looking at collective questions. So those are not personal questions, but they certainly intersect with the personal. But a, a, a family constellation, for me, what, the way I hold that term is just that it arises out of, you could say, the first system of this body, which is our, our family system. But what happens inside of a family constellation can include, in what you've described, a very kind of expansive view of what family is. So it it certainly can and does include biology, even if you don't have a relationship, for example, with with a, you might have a pattern showing up in your life and not have a living or even conscious relationship with, you know, where that entanglement might be rooted. Um, but you can also have dynamics, a kind of entangled dynamics, if you're in, um, you know, non-biological family systems. Um, and then, you know, there's there's a lot of work out there, you know, a lot of different studies, lots of family constellations facilitators who look at the ways in which um, two um, groups of people, so let's say two families or two, but they can become entangled without and, and show up in family systems without being biologically related. And that's often because this, some member of that family um, was, a, you know, perpetrated a, a, a trauma, a harm on, on another sort of another person. Of course. So there's an entanglement there that can, that can show up in a, easily in a family constellation. Oh. Mm-hmm. So what was it about that first family constellations workshop that you experienced that really you know, lit a fire for you mm. to start eventually teaching this work? Yeah. Or was it a sl- lower, slower process than that? Well, <laughs> so I, um, it was such a fascinating, you know, it's one of those things where you feel like you're called to something. Oh, yeah. So I, I actually found out about constellation work. I was at, um, I received the uh, a fellowship. I was, re- I received this honor of, of a fellowship and I had this retreat basically that people were called in from around the country so I met a bunch of fascinated people from around the country who are doing wonderful um, social change work and at the time I was uh, teaching yoga I was doing a, a, a yoga nonprofit working with a yoga nonprofit well anyways at lunch people told me stories about constellation work so this is the first time I'd heard about it and I heard these stories I didn't really understand what they were talking about um, but I felt myself drawn to what they were speaking of. At the time, I was a, um, you know, I'd been teaching high school. And part of my work as a high school teacher was teaching systems thinking and teaching uh, and working with mindfulness in the classroom. So in some ways, systemic consolation work was a, a kind of like the next appropriate step for a person who's already doing these, you know, doing systems thinking work. What I was so, um, I think the reason why it met me at the right time was because as a systems thinker, I love, you know, I love systems thinker. I'm a sort of scientifically minded person. I liked modeling systems. Mm -hmm. But 
and I thought everyone should be, you know, we should be teaching systems thinking and ev- all over the place, you yeah. know? <laughs> but not everybody is oriented to try to, and really even wants to try to break, like model complex systems and make diagrams and look at feedback loops. I mean, it's just not a thing for everyone. Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I experienced right away through this work was that we are system sensing beings. Our, our, our bodies are our, our hum- our, our designed to sense into our environment and receive information. And so when, I, when you recognize that systems are based in relationships and there's a kind of, there's almost when you're, if you're focusing only on systems thinking, it, it sort of takes you out of the core mechanism of systems, which is relationships, because you, you move into the sort of the analytical part of the brain. Systemic constellation work brings us back into the body. So we're experiencing system from within the system and we're experiencing how information is, is moving. If you're a systems thinker, you can think about nodes in the system. Um, you're experiencing how information is moving through a node in the system. So for me, as a, as a, it was, I, I sort of resolved the problem I was having with systems thinking when I discovered constellation work. Mm, I love it, because it's for everyone, because mm-hmm. we're designed to, to feel information. That's right. Yeah, and I, I feel like, everyone has had one of those moments where you know they turn around and they feel somebody staring at them from across the room or when they think of their friend and then the phone rings like we're, we are constantly sensing mm-hmm. things and people around us we we don't always put a name to it but you know it's just like oh that funny thing that just happened <laughs> you know? yes but I, I feel like almost everyone's had an experience similar to to that and you know in some ways that is the most gratifying part of what I do, which is I'm taking people who feel like I, ha- I have a sense that something's going on, but there's it's a it's kind of almost a universal challenge is that we we're afraid to believe, you know, and and in fact I think you know our society is conditioning ourselves, conditioning us, even education. I mean, this is why I'm interested in bringing this work I in in education because the process conditions us us out of um, trusting, trusting what's happening, you know, trusting those spaces. We, we think, oh, that was just coincidence, you know. We want to, we have an inclination to dismiss it. But what's so, what I'm really appreciating about what I'm able to do now is I can set up, I can reliably set up situations in the, in the, um, in a constellation or in this, um, educational work that I'm doing where a person will always be put in, in the field and feeling the field, the flow of information through them. And I can do, you know, I do this with young people, with teenagers, with college students, so people of all ages. Um, and a part of what I'm, what they're receiving in that is an affirmation of something that they've been suspecting all along, you know, and it's, so it's very satisfying. I love that. So we were tra- we were talking about um, the kind of process of um, how uh, family constellations brings about healing, and um, you know, you were you were starting to tell me a little bit about how you bring this work into an educational setting. Mm-hmm. So, well, first let's talk about the difference between a a workshop that you might be hosting in a private setting, um, and and what the difference is between it coming into an educational space, which mm-hmm. is a totally different ballgame, mm-hmm. I would imagine. But mm-hmm. um, I would love to hear more about what, what that difference looks like. Sure. 
Well, you know, I've, I've been reflecting um, on what, what do I really do as a, as a facilitator of this process? Because in some ways, um, the, 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 more, the emptier I am, the better able I am to, to um, facilitate a, a, a deep process. So in some ways, the most important thing that I do is just create the container. And the con it's a container that allows for us to access all of the ways of knowing that we have moving through our bodies. So I think about this as a, uh, our embodied knowing, as empathy. Um, I've, I've been particularly looking at the way instinct and intuition show up. This, this actually, um, my working with teenagers has really helped me see how, how instinct and intuition show up as ways of knowing, um, how our, our emotions, how our imagination, all of these things are included and in fact invited in in the container that we create in the, through a constellation process. So when a person comes for a healing process, you know, as a facilitator, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm holding a sacred space that allows for a, a kind of deep dive into whatever uh, the person's bringing and because our healing is really about looking at our trauma, um, yeah, I've developed the capacity to be with you know, be with very uh, difficult and shadowy spaces. Um, and, and so if there's any distinction between what I do in a healing context versus what I might do working in a, a, a self-directed learning center with teenagers, part of it is just me, you know, we, I sort of open the space in a healing context and allow us to go as deep as we need to go. And then when I'm working with teenagers, I'll, I'll, I'll spend more time talking about that. But I really am I'm much more cautious about what kind of space we open up because I, I need to, to create a safe place for them so we can explore things. But we might explore things in a way uh, um, where we sort of step in, get some information, and then step back out again and talk about what we've experienced. Putting it into context for them. Yeah. Yeah, so yes. you're not just like, hey, welcome to this really deep thing that's been going on for generations and generations. That's right. In the middle of school. <laughs> that's right, that's yeah. right. As opposed to in this, the healing circles, people, in fact, in the last circle, we were joking that I had designed an exercise that I thought, well, we're just gonna dip our toes in because there were some new people who hadn't experienced representing before and feeling the way information flows in their body. But it was, you know, you dip your toe in and then you find you're, you're, you're underwater. Because you're just, you can just, you can get very deep very quickly with this process. Um, and just a moment ago when you were kind of talking about how you're, you're creating this container and how you, you try to create a, an emptiness. You try to create yourself um, in a space that's as empty as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that look like for you? What is, what is empty, empty how? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll share some of the things I've been really witnessing, especially with the teenagers, because they're kind of maps in terms of how I can describe what I'm doing. So I think about instinct, intuition, and intellect. Instinct, intuition, and intellect. So like the three centers of the body. Okay. The gut, the heart, and the brain. And um, when you're trained in constellation work, you're going to be trained in patterns known as the orders of love. There's sort of systemic patterns that we see in family systems. So I have, the, I know those patterns. So that's my intellect at work. I also have 
previous experience so i might recognize something that shows up um, in a constellation and you know test out whether it's similar to something else i've experienced so there's some there's a experience and skills and and knowledge that i'm applying in the field but i'm also working with intuition and instinct and so intuition i experience in myself and i see in in my students in particular they're been helping me really recognize this instinct show intuition shows up a bit more slowly but it gets it gets to the brain so in other words i can feel something i might feel an emotional response i might have a felt sense response i might have um, images or other kinds of sensing and knowing and then most time when a person you can see a person sort of in that intuition field like they're in the field and they're sensing something they're it takes them some time to articulate exactly what it means. So I'm having this feeling and I think it means this, you know, but they can kind of, they can come up with words. Instinct, I've, I, you know, I, I've, instinct operates instantly. It's really operates differently. Um, it doesn't need to talk to your brain. Doesn't Completely need to have any bypass, words. Yeah. That's right. And um, when we, when when you learn about instinct, like if you're taught about instinct in, say, a biology class. I used to be a biology teacher. Oh, fun. So when you're taught about in- instinct, you're it's almost, um, you know, it's taught about uh, uh, the older part of the brain, the reptilian part of the brain, and we think of it as connected to survival, but we don't necessarily think of it as being important or relevant to our m- contemporary existence, our modern lives, right? Unless we're pulling our hand, you know, our hand, we pull our hand from the hot stove. But that's, you know, and there are other places where we're saving our lives, you know, but. Right. Well, I think women are taught to be instinctual for safety, mm-hmm. for safety around not getting raped mm-hmm. all the time. You know, it's like if you don't trust something, don't do it. Don't go on that date with that person. Go in a public space. But it's very, I feel like women are like, if you have any instinct that tells you just like, run away like right. I, I feel like I feel like women's instinct in that is honed for yeah. for our safety and our culture and and I would from from the way I'm witnessing it I would I would probably call what you're describing intuition only because instinct seems to happen like it seems to move your body oh interesting and so there's a way in which I have a sense and I don't feel good about this hmm. that that shows up to me as intuition ah. and then there's a way in which my body is just moving me in this direction and we have access to that level of instinct all the time it's just that we've we've largely excluded it from our awareness and so when I create when we begin uh, a constellation and we're, we're creating a container where we're allowing all these ways of knowing in into the space you can see and I can encourage people to just trust that there's there, there might be a movement in the body that does not make sense to you, but just go ahead and follow the movement. Mm. We can always experiment with whether it's meaningful or not. That's, that's, to me, one of the most interesting spaces is that I can use instinct. I can really bring it, I can really uh, allow it to be guiding me as a, and so that's what I mean when I become empty, because I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm also not trying to analyze or, or, um, repress <laughs> my ways of knowing. I'm really going to just, in some ways, it's a dance when I get into the, when I start facilitating. 
That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So how does your work as a, as a trained teacher, I know that you have a master's in education and that you mentioned a moment ago that you used to be a biology teacher. How does your, how does it having that um, training as a teacher uh, work in, in health and wellness mm-hmm. in this world of teaching instinct and intellect and, um, and intuition? Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm probably, if I were to look at my archetypes, I'm probably a teacher archetype. I really, really enjoy teaching. Um, and even when I was, a, I, I taught a public high school for 11th and 12th graders in New York City for 12 years. And I was really in a happy place. It was a very creative space for me. So in some ways, the there's just something about my my interest and desire to teach and including to work with young people. I really enjoy, enjoy that. And so what's happening for me is that I am now bringing this work to young people and I include some of the things that I do in family constellation work. So in other words, I include helping young people make contact with feeling resourced. Um, that's a that's a, a big part of uh, what happens in the healing of a feeling family constellation is that we make contact with our resources, our ancestral resources, or our spiritual resources. So I help people um, make contact with their resources and even just feel someone standing behind them, and and they can let that resource be whomever they want that to be. Um, but I'm also interested in uh, helping young people learn that they can access all these ways of knowing. So in a, because in a typical education setting, we're actually excluding most of the ways of knowing. We're excluding the emotions, we're excluding instinct, we're excluding intuition. We're really just asking people to make sense of the world through this very narrow frame. So the biggest gift that I'm offering is, you know, what they do with what I teach them I really want them to go wherever their hearts desire in terms of what they get to explore. But there's something so powerful and satisfying when you turn on all the ways of knowing that we have access to and we say, okay, let's explore what you're curious about. And so that's what I get to do in in my teaching now. So what are are teens curious about exploring within this world? (laughs) So... What's hot for teens? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because, you know, because I spent so much time in education, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to study history and we're going to study, you know, current events. and We're going to look at literature. And of course, they're interested in the same thing we're interested in. Whenever, when, when I hold circles for adults, they're interested in relationships. Of course. They're interested in, you know, conflict and friendship. They're interested in what am I going to do with my life? I don't, I don't feel like I even know what what path I'm on or want to be on. And there's so much pressure at that mm-hmm. age. So mm-hmm. much pressure. I mean, I had no idea what I even was into when I was that age. That's right. That's I mean, right. boys. But, you <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I think I because I'm working with um, young people who are, you know, young teenagers into, say, 18, um, so high school age folks, they're... I'm actually meeting people who are at the point where they've they're they're not children anymore. They're on the verge of being an ad- adult, and they're asking the question about, well, what can I believe in? What should I believe in? Um, 
And that's been also, I really kind of appreciate the tenderness of that space where they feel like they're letting go of of things they might have believed in as a, as a child and now asking themselves as I move into, as I'm getting older, what, what am I supposed to do as an adult, you know? And that is for you to decide. To decide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a big question, though, when, you're, when, when the world is completely open for you. Yeah. Or if yes. you feel like it has more limitations. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very big question to and, explore. You know, my hope is that, you know, whenever I think about uh, what I'm doing, um, there's ways in which we look at the world and we think, oh, the world is set up in this way and I have to follow these paths. Or if I want to create my own path, I have to work really hard. There's a, real, a lot of effort and labor involved. And, you know, when, when I bring people into these more subtle ways of knowing, you actually begin to have this awareness that the world is much more responsive and sort of and less dense um, and so you, there's something really, again, you know, what is the power of the work, the, and especially for working with teenagers or young people, it's giving them this, allowing them to step into this possibility, as opposed to step into a world where they feel like, oh, I have to choose a path that's already laid out for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here chatting with Allison Fornes. Um, and Allison, I'm really curious as to how did... How did you connect in uh, in an educational setting with this work that you do? That's a good question. <laughs> um, well, part of it is networking, you know, of course, and really being relationships, able to, right? Relationships. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I. <laughs> so again, the laughter comes because I, it's in part because I was like, okay, how do I do this? You yeah. know, I've we've ex- I've I've been immersing myself in family constellations as a healing practice. I you know I get to work with these adults who are coming in with these really big questions, but how do I begin to cross into working with young people? So one thing I did is I worked with my own children. Oh, can you tell us all about that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, oh yeah, so interesting. So when I'm working with children, so there are these sort of developmental things that I, I don't I, I don't have it like laid out. I can't write a dissertation about it, but you can sort of see that there's these developmental stages. And so when I my children were very young, we would work with toys like little objects. And so sometimes they would come and they might have a particular concern or upset or something that they had to work on and then I would say well let's choose an object for and choose something to represent you and choose something to represent what you're upset about and then they can begin to tell stories with these objects and I I still use that I actually did some uh, object work with an 18 year old recently and I and I do it with myself to just to be able to pick up some objects to constellate with them which means you know you just they're going to rep you're going they're going to represent these different um, parts of your life and you tell a story to to a listener and that listener can give you some reflections or and most often you're going to get some insight for yourself so when i was working with my children when they were say 6 and 7 um it's not so much that they came away with great new insight but something would happen where this thing that they were carrying, that they were very upset, that was really disturbing them, just in telling me the story, it would shift. Because mm. they recognized. 
They, yeah. They put a name to it. Yes. Or, yeah. or a story to it. And they could move, they could start to move it around. It wasn't stuck. It wasn't something that was stuck. They could see, oh, what, I could move it over here. What if I, what if I, I can relate to it differently, you know? And it kind of created, an, it allowed some movement in the energy. But the very first time that I decided to use the process in a more uh, academic context uh, was when I, my daughter was seven and we were about to go see a play about Sacagawea. And I realized that I didn't really know anything about her other than, you know, I, I saw her image on the coin and I knew she was involved in the Lewis and Clark expedition, uh, but I didn't know much. So before we did any reading about her, I said, well, let's, like, let's do a kind of constellation. Yeah, let's play. Let's play, exactly. And so I, I, I placed three pieces of paper on the floor. I said, let's, this paper will be Sacagawea, this will be Lewis, this will be Clark. And we just stepped into each paper to feel what it felt like to be each one of those, those persons energetically. And um, now she didn't get a lot of information, which is fine. And I have, you know, if a, person's, when a, if a person wants to learn more about that and how to work with young people, I could certainly say more about what I experienced there. But what I experienced was that when I stood with Sakagawea, I felt this heaviness in my heart. And so it became this question, why would she be feeling grief? So it allowed us to begin to do what we would have done anyways, which is to read about her. But we were reading about her with a very specific lens. Why would she be feeling grief? Mm. And when you read her story, there's so much that becomes available to you when you when you have that lens where you where you can really understand this is what was going on for her and this was what was motivating her is that the the biggest things in her life were really um, initiated through a, a grief deep deep sense of grief which I would never I might have read but I don't think I would have understood how it motivated her except for our little game. Well, I think it's different when you experience something versus when you are an outsider and you're just looking on, mm-hmm. you know, or you're just like, oh, like the word grief is very different than the feeling of grief. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's interesting that you turn it into an uh, experiential moment versus exactly. just like an observational. Yeah. So let's let's loop back to my first question, which is how did you connect with um, with the educational like a form? How did you start bringing this work into like a formal educational mm-hmm. um, uh, setting? Yeah. I get distracted and I get sidetracked and I get excited. So, <laughs> but I'm really curious no, as to how you for, how you like merge these two tracks sure. because it sounds like it's kind of merging of your two passions. Yeah, well, I you know it, what it, that part comes down to it really is networking and reaching out and saying, "Hey, I've got this thing. I would can I can I come over there and show you what I'm doing or volunteer or you know." So I and I've done all of those things. I basically would either people would connect me with others so they'd hear about what I was doing through a, some kind of conversation, they'd follow up. And so all of all of the time, so I've, I've done, I, I, I go to Vassar regularly, for example, and that showed up a conversation I had at a dinner party and they said, oh, meet this person, you know. Um, and right now I'm doing some work volunteering with teens at North Star. Oh, fabulous. And, and that also was me saying, hey, I have this thing. Would you be interested? And I have this wonderful, I'm doing some, I just love what I'm doing over there. I love working with the students there. Um, so that's what it is. Just 
here's what I had. I had this amazing thing. Are, are you interested? Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I feel like there's whatever your passions are, whatever your motivations are, whatever you want to do, it's it's possible. It's 100% possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's some of my Reiki practice. I work in a hospital and I never thought that I would be doing, I never thought I would love it as much as I do, but it's it's the, the walk-in clinic setting that I love where even though people are, you know, in their infusion chairs, uh, basically they don't have to pay for it. It, it comes to where they are. Yeah. The Reiki comes to where they are. And it's a model that I adore. And it's just such a great supportive setting. And um, yeah, it's like I never would have thought, but like that opportunity just popped up one day and just came and found me. And, you know, it's, I yeah, it's amazing. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that you that you blended those two, that you're, you're teaching passion yeah. for teens and also having this, this work. So I know that you are in the middle of writing a book um, entitled The Knowing Revolution, a manual for evolutionary educators. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, this, this book that you're in process sure. with? Sure, sure. Yes, process. Uh, have you are you writing? Have you written a book before? I pretend to write books, <laughs> and then I, I, you know, they just get closed down on my Google Drive for longer periods of time. There, I have a lot of resistance <laughs> yes. when it comes to writing. I just want to. I'm I'm so in awe of anyone who finishes. You know, like you start. That's so my. I'll talk about my book, which is. I really, I can feel the book. I can feel it present. I can, I've, there's so much writing. It's like right there. And man, it's hard to write a book. It really is. <laughs> so that being said, I, I um, if a person is curious, I have a, I have a, a, a little preview on, um, at the knowingrevolution.com. You can see what I've been writing there. But I'm writing about my work in education. Um, and I'm writing about really what we've been talking about, that we have all of these ways of knowing that when you turn them on, um, you know, what I, what I witness and experience is that there's, um, you know, that ter- the term that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi Mihai uses about flow. So that we, when we turn on all of our ways of knowing and we're using it to look at the questions that are, are important to us, we, we enter into a state of flow. And it's so satisfying and you get to see things that are that can be hidden. Um, so being able to see hidden dynamics, being able to innovate, being able to be creative, this is what we have access to. And so I, I'm writing about what's possible, and I'm also writing about what I observe um, when we uh, enter this paradigm, this new paradigm, uh, by turning on all of our ways of knowing. When we enter that new paradigm, information, um, there's all these new principles that emerge about the nature of information and learning. So, and it's, it's not, you know, there are lots of other people that are, that actually write about this. So I'm writing about this in a very specific way as an educator, that we can access fields of information. So that's one of the, one of the things I, I most, I see all the time is that if we say, oh, let's explore Sacagawea, or let's explore how these character, how the characters in Harry Potter are relating to each other. We can represent those characters. We can step in and feel those characters, and and the way I experience it is that there's a field of information. There's a system of information that is the world of Harry Potter, and there's a system of information that's you know that arises around 
you know, our, our history or whatever, our family systems. So we enter in, when we, when we are exploring information, learning about something new, we're not just learning about a single point, but we get to explore all of the things that that point of information are connected to. So that's, that's what I'm ex- talking about. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. So do you have a, um, as you're, as you're in, in the middle of writing this book, um, do you have a, an editor that's like putting on deadlines and asking you to be finished by a certain time so that anyone out there who's listening and excited to read your book in the future? Do we, or is that too big of a question? <laughs> I, I might have a, a spirit guide editor, but I don't have anybody in body right now. That's okay. Yeah. So I've actually, you know, you, when you, I, you know, I try to set up structures, like my blog, for example, starts to become a structure for me to just like, let me, let me write for my blog for my audience. So, Absolutely. But yeah, and I, I don't have that editor yet. All right. That's okay. I was just, <laughs> just checking in to see if there, um, so no, no estimated time frame yet for when people will be able to access the full book. Not yet. That's yeah. okay. And sometimes I wonder if it wants to come, I mean, it'll come out as a book, but I also feel like it's, it wants to be seen in lots of ways. So absolutely. Yeah. As a radio show, <laughs> as a blog, multiple right. blogs, maybe podcasting, who knows what's next. That's right. <laughs> that's lovely. So, um, Allison, tell us, uh, what kind of events or workshops do you have coming up that people may be able to be curious and um, be curious about. Sure, sure. Well, uh, the best way to sort of track me is to find my, you can look for my website, it's expandedknowing.com. Um, and I have monthly constellation circles in Greenfield. And right now, in some ways, that's, that's if you want to sort of find out more about my work, it's to be able to come to a circle may, may be your, the, the best way, just because you get to um, wit- you get to have the, you have to be in the field and have the experience and f- ex- you know see what it's like to have that deep dive. Um, maybe without doing uh, your sometimes it's hard to do your personal work right away, for example. Um, and then I am preparing. I just announced um, my uh, training so for the that will open in the fall. So that's really the next big thing that I'm building towards is getting ready to train my. Fr- first cohort of educators and change makers who want to learn how to use these tools and bring them to their their audience. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So if you are curious about um, more about what Allison Fornes does, uh, you can go on to www.expandednowing.com. That's right. Fabulous. Um, and do you have any last words of wisdom that you'd like to throw out into the universe? Yeah, yeah. Words of wisdom. Um, you know, I would say the the thing that I, I was just talking about this at my last circle, that, that if there's anything that a person takes away um, from the work that we do together, it's, it's something I named already, that, that this world is not a dense, concrete place, but that we actually have a tremendous amount of, of, that the, that the universe responds to us, that our world responds to us, that the things we see in it, that we want to create in the world. Um, and in some ways, I, I would love the idea of people being able to see this, the world around them much more and much more of a dreamlike quality, mm. you know, than as a kind of solid, quote unquote, reality space. I love that. Yeah, and then, and imagine like in a, lim- like in a uh, what do you call the, uh, the waking dream? Oh, the lucid dream. The lucid dream. You know, that we have the same power 
to influence change that we would have in a in a lucid dream in with, this with some waking mindfulness. reality with, with some mindfulness <laughs> still takes some skill and some practice to do true. lucid dreaming That's I mean some people true. are naturally gifted <laughs> but yeah there's still some mindfulness that takes place in mm-hmm. that dreamscape and that that has to bring it into our reality too yes yeah yeah but that we can have we can interact with the world with that recognition that oh actually I can shape what's happening you know I have a lot of influence here yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you, Allison, so much for coming on the show and sharing about what you do. And and um, I really love hearing about how uh, you're kind of blending your your academia with with this intuitive work. It's it's very um, it's yeah. Just I feel like it's opening up a whole a whole world of of young people's minds and you know people in the area. So I'm I'm really glad that you're out here doing this work. Thank you so much. It's really it's been a great treat to be here, and it's a pleasure. I love the work that I do. So glad to share it. It's what it's all about. Um, so if you are just tuning in and you want to hear the rest of the show with Allison Fornes, uh, you can always go back and listen to this episode or any other episode on my website, which is um, Reiki, North, Northampton Reiki, or sorry, ReikiNorthampton.com uh, backslash radio. And it has all this and all the other archived episodes from past weeks. Um, so please do go check that out. And um, we are going to close out shortly. So um, thank you, everyone and and be well 